I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down. Oh, you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. I have got to give you some hard truths right between the eyes, and it's going to hurt you tonight. We have Confederate monuments and Christopher Columbus going down in flames, and finally, the Democrat leader they've been looking for. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. All right, here we go. Before I get to the news, the video clips, the sound clips, the funny stuff, the bad stuff, everything else, we have to have a little conversation. There's something you need to hear. I am sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but you do need to hear it. Are you ready for this? 
I hear conservatives all the time say this. Oh, we're the silent majority. Yeah, but we're the silent majority. Well, yeah, they have all that, but we're the silent majority. And you know what that is? On top of being a bunch of crap, it's a security blankie for you. That's all that is. It's something that makes you feel better. Look, I've done it myself. I'm not just pointing fingers. It's something that makes me feel better. Well, yeah, I mean, they have everything, but we're the silent majority. No, we're not. Stop saying that. Stop convincing yourselves there's some 50-50 split in in America, or there's this 51%. At least we have that 51%. It's easy to convince yourselves of that when you have Donald Trump sitting in the Oval Office. Donald Trump was there. Donald Trump is there because of 50,000 votes spread across, across the swing states, period. We are not the silent majority. And you know why we're not the silent majority? Because we have, for decades now, it's not your fault, it's your fault to fix it, or it's your responsibility to fix it, it's my responsibility to fix it, but for decades, we have sat silently. We have ignored the fact the left views the ideology battle in this country, the ideological battle, I should say, as a war. You and I view it as a political disagreement. That's why they own everything now. What do you actually have as you sit around talking to your, convincing yourself, convincing your spouse, convincing your kids? We're the silent majority. Oh, it's fine. We'll be the silent majority. This will be fine. Look at these things. It's fine. These riots are fine. It's, we're, we're the silent majority. No, you're not. You are a small minority rebel force. They own everything. They, yes, you have Donald Trump. Yes, we have Republican control of the Senate, as good as that's done us. What else do you have? You don't have the, you don't even have the Supreme Court. You think you do. That idiot Roberts in the Supreme Court rules against you as often as he rules for you. They own everything else. They own the entire American education system. They own over 90% of federal employees. They own over 90% of the media. They own 100% of Hollywood. They own corporations in America. Have you seen your television set for the last week or two? The censorship, which we'll talk about tonight. They own all of it. They own everything. And you're sitting there. Well, we got Donald Trump. I guess we're still the majority. No, no. They have everything. Even if Donald Trump, Lord willing, gets reelected, you have lost the culture war. I have lost the culture war. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is... That doesn't mean all hope is lost. We just, you know, pack up our stuff and go home. But it does mean we have to change the way we think in the United States of America as people on the right. You are not the silent majority, really secretly in control while the left controls everything else. No, you have to start conducting yourself as the rebel force as they have done for 70 years. That's why they've gained. That's why government has only grown for 100 years. It's never shrunk because they act like this is life and death. And if we don't get this done, this massive majority is going to crush us. We have been far too complacent for far too long. And that's why the leftists have taken it all. They took my own church from me last Sunday pastor gets up it's all social justice warrior this and and you know black lives matter that and i just threw my hands up and thought man they have everything and they do 
Let's start conducting ourselves that way instead of convincing ourselves that, well, as long as Trump's there, we're fine. We're not fine. Whether Trump's gone in half a year or four and a half years, we are not fine. Start acting like you're not fine. Start approaching everything in your life as if you're not fine, as if you have ground to gain back because you and I have given up far too much of it. That's one. I had to get that off my chest. Two, I haven't even gotten any news stories yet. I might just talk in the camera all night. I don't care. It's my show. Two, can we stop pretending like crime and punishment, there's some easy solution for it? Every nation in the history of mankind has struggled with crime and punishment. What do you do? Do you go too hard? Do you go too soft? Do you rehabilitate? How do you handle a police force? How do you handle criminals? How do you handle incarceration? How do you handle capital punishment? Let's not pretend that there are simple solutions to these problems, even though apparently we have simpletons who are trying to solve these problems. There aren't. And look, I've been one who's been openly willing to criticize law enforcement on several occasions, not necessarily for racism, because I don't think there's a lot of evidence of that out there. Is there some? Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's some. I've no doubt about that. There's 800,000 cops. There's going to be some racists mixed in there. I'm sure of that. I've been critical because I think law enforcement oversteps so often, empowered by politicians. We talked about that during the lockdown. But let's also not convince ourselves, anybody in this society, that cops are the problem we're facing. Be serious here. These are still people who wake up every day, for the most part, the vast majority, and they go and they wade through the muck of society every single day and risk their lives. Let's keep that in mind. And you know what? This guy sums it up pretty nicely. This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so do theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting trying to make us embarrassed of our profession. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive. Nobody talks about all the police officers that were killed in the last week in the United States of America, and there were a number of them. We don't condone Minneapolis. We roundly reject what he did as disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not what we do. It's not what police officers do. Our legislators abandoned us. The press is vilifying us. Well, you know what, guys? I'm proud to be a cop. And I'm going to continue to be proud to be a cop until the day I retire. I got to tell you, there is something really, really cool about New York cops. Look. Call me a softie, because I love New York City. I know their mayor is a complete dirtball right now. I know they've got problems, but I do love New York, New York cops. And apparently, if you listen to this guy, there's going to be a lot fewer of them. Well, you've had over 300, I think about 320 that have been injured. You have some in the hospital, but there were over 300, uh, 300 injuries. And, and I, the thing that scares me, uh, Judge, I'm hearing close to 600 cops 
have either put in their papers or they're talking to the department about resigning or retiring. What have I been telling you is coming. These cops are going to flee. Either they're going to resign and move out to the suburbs where they're appreciated, or they're just going to call it quits. And we can have all the disagreements in the world about law enforcement. This world is not going to be a better place. This country is not going to be a better place if the good men throw up their hands and walk away. Not that I'm blaming them. I certainly would, too. But, man, America's cities, they are about to become very, very, very ugly places. And this demonization of cops, I'm shocked at how widespread it is. It's one thing for some dirtball to stand on the street corner and talk about how much he hate, hates cops. That's just one thing. That's the norm. There's always somebody out there who hates cops. Um, this has taken on a life of its own. We have the show, Cops. We've all seen it. I believe it's run for 31 years, 30 years. Over 30 years, Paramount Network canceling it puts up a statement. Black Lives Matter. We stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and call for the end of systemic racism. These racist and brutal attacks must end. We call for justice and they canceled the show cops as if that was some kind of the problem. <laughs> Minneapolis's police chief, he's got some inspiring words. As chief, I took an oath of office in ensuring the public safety of this city's residents, businesses, and visitors. And I'm here to tell you, you will not be abandoned. Over the past several days, I've heard from families and individuals who were concerned that if they were in need of a police response, that they would not get one. And I'm here to also tell you that we will be here for you. Good for him. We have problems in this country Cops are not the problem. All of that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, there is enough to be concerned about out there without being concerned as you walk into your bedroom at night that you're not going to be able to fall asleep. And I know what that's like. When you walk into that room and you curl up in bed and you think, please, let this be the night where I get some sleep. You can stop worrying about that. Buy an ebb sleep. It's a wearable device. You put it on your head, it calms down those racing thoughts that are putting you awake without the need for sleeping pills or all this other garbage, and you can try it risk-free for 60 days. 60 days risk-free. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get yourself 25 bucks off. Ebb sleep. We'll be back. Well, you know we had a civil war in this country, right? I know, stop me if you haven't heard this before. Um, the United States of America at one point in time split up. And I'm a civil war freak. I love it. And I get very, very frustrated watching modern day Americans try to discuss the civil war. And here's why. So many of them are so beaten down by cries of racism, they're scared to even have an honest discussion about the Civil War and what happened. That's part of it. Some of them have just been educated in government schools their whole lives, and all they know about the Civil War is racism, slavery. Let's, let's have a really frank discussion here for a moment. 
Okay, the North and the South. The South, because they wanted to keep their slaves, the South broke away from the North. And let's clarify something. The South, the Southern states, would never, ever, ever have joined the United States of America if they thought they weren't allowed to leave it at any point in time. So the South leaves. Abraham Lincoln, and yes, he was an abolitionist. He wanted to get rid of the scourge of slavery. He also wanted the southern states back in the Union a lot more than he wanted that. I know this is going to be shocking to you, and I'm not insulting Abraham Lincoln, great man. But again, with the St. Abe revisionist history, Abraham Lincoln, once the South broke away, more than one occasion, said, you can keep your slaves, just come back in the Union. Did you hear what I said? Open up a history book. Your St. Abe said, you can keep your slaves, just come back in the Union. South said, thanks, but no thanks. We don't trust you. America went to war. And when it comes to the war itself, slavery, there is no defense of it. There is absolutely no defense of slavery. There never will be a defense of slavery. I realize virtually every society in the history of mankind has practiced it, and they all suck. It's a horrible, horrible thing to own another human being. It's disgusting. But don't be under the assumption that a bunch of the guys wearing the rebel uniforms in the South were a bunch of slave-owning neo-Nazis. They were mostly just a bunch of poor farmers who got thrown into the whole thing. Half those guys, because this was a huge states' rights era, were simply fighting because the Union came down into their state, and they're like, well, wait, they're invading. I guess I better go fight. What I'm saying in that brief, very brief, three-minute little explanation I just gave you there is this. The Civil War is complicated. It's not, it's not complicated to decide whether slavery is right or wrong. Slavery is wrong. Okay, let's, we, we, let's get that out of the way. The Civil War itself is complicated. The men who fought the Civil War were complicated. There were several open racists in the North. There were several people in the South, including Robert E. Lee, who didn't have slaves, who thought slavery was awful. It's complicated. But we don't like complicated. We as human beings don't like it. You and I have had this talk several times before. We want everything simple, cut and dry. Good versus evil. Good, bad, saint, devil. History doesn't work that way. Are you all good or all bad? I would point out myself, but I'm a bad example because I am all bad. But most people, for the most part, they're good and they're bad. Conflicts, for the most part, are good and they're bad. Understand that the Civil War, wherever you fall on it, whether you're a history nut and love it, whether you just hit the high points, it doesn't matter. It is a huge, huge part of American history. Don't eliminate it. Talk about it. Have extensive discussions about it. I sit and watch Civil War documentaries with my sons about it, even though they yell and scream and say it's boring. I tell them, shut up and sit there. We're learning. Discuss history. Don't eliminate history. Now, Mississippi. This is the current Mississippi flag. Look at this. Obviously, you see the old Confederate flag in there. There is a new design proposed, and this is what the new design looks like. Okay. 
here's the thing. I don't have an issue with that, a big issue, except here's the, here's the only issue I have with it. It's leading to other things. It's leading people to believe that they should eliminate the history of the South. Um, have you guys ever been to the South? I've spent a lot of time in the South. Granted, I've spent a lot of time all over the place. They're wide open to talking about the scourge of slavery, about the Civil War. You can both talk about it, think slavery is bad, and learn. And no, we don't have to rename our bases. Army secretary open to renaming military bases named after Confederate generals? What is that? What is that? Again, it's easy in hindsight to point a finger at all these men and say, you racist. Uh, a lot of these guys were some of the finest generals who existed in the history of mankind. Brave men, yeah, fighting on behalf of a cause that is not a good one, but still, brave men who went out there and did it. Did you do it? What have you done? I see this endless criticism out there of the South and things happening in the South and things that happened in the Confederacy. They put on a uniform and they fought. That's worth something, right? As Americans, Donald Trump, to his credit, came out and said, it's been suggested we should rename as many as 10 of our legendary military bases, such as Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Benning in Georgia, etc. These monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage and a history of winning, victory, and freedom. The United States of America trained and deployed our heroes on these hallowed grounds and won two world wars. Therefore, my administration will not even consider the renaming of these magnificent and fabled military installations. Our history as the greatest nation in the world will not be tampered, will not be tampered with. Respect our military. We cannot eliminate our history. We cannot rewrite it, nor should we even consider doing so. Confront it, discuss it, as you should with all problems. Now, the Washington Post... Well, as you can imagine, they have a take. If we don't move it, they'll take it down. Protests prompt U.S. leaders to remove Confederate monuments. You know one thing that's funny about this? You know what? Let's get to the New York Times headlines first. Birmingham mayor orders removal of Confederate monument in public park. And we have Governor Northam. Listen to Governor Northam. You see, in Virginia, we no longer preach a false version of history, one that pretends the Civil War was about state rights and not the evils of slavery. No one believes that any longer. And in 2020, we can no longer honor a system that was based on the buying and selling of enslaved people, not in 2020. So I want us all to tell that little girl the truth. Yes, that statue has been there for a long time. But it was wrong then, and it is wrong now. So we're taking it down. Mm. Well, at least he didn't wear blackface to this news conference. You do not learn about your history, including the mistakes, by eliminating it. The very concept of that I find to be utterly absurd. And I also get a kick, well, I'm horrified by it, but I do get a kick 
out of watching all these leftists destroy all these things while calling other people fascists. Um, who's burning the books in this society? All right, we got more. Joining me now, the Washington editor of Spectator USA, and of course, regular on my show, Amber Athey. Amber, let us begin with cops. There is um, apparently this massive movement that has decided cops are the bad guys. Now, I have no issue with people criticizing cops now and then. I certainly have on occasion myself. I do have an issue with all of society deciding on its own that cops are a bunch of racist dirtbags and that cops are the problem. We're even canceling the show cops. We have these New York cops retiring, quitting in droves. This is not, this is not focusing on the right priorities. No, it's really a horrible thing to see. I have uh, police officers in my family. I know them to be wonderful people. And the idea that they are being smeared by these groups like Black Lives Matter and the media and Antifa is just absolutely disgusting. Um, Tucker Carlson had a great segment on his show just a couple of weeks ago where he actually broke down the statistics of unarmed pol uh, police shootings of unarmed black men. And there were 10 of these shootings, one of which was apparently an accident. Five of them were completely justified where the police officers had been attacked by the suspect before firing their weapons. And in two of them, just two out of all 10, out of all of the black suspects that police officers had encountered in 2019, the police officers were found to have made a mistake, committed a crime, and were charged appropriately and removed from the force. The idea that out of all of the cops, all of the encounters that they're having with suspects, uh, that there's just two of these incidents, that means that the entire police force is systemically racist. It just doesn't make any sense. You know what doesn't make sense to me is why is it systemic and not systematic? I don't understand how this language works. Yeah, I don't know how any of the progressive language works either. All I know is that if you don't use it the right way, you're canceled. And if you don't post a little black box on your Instagram saying that you support Black Lives Matter, then you're a racist bigot. And it's really horrible to see that uh, this type of uh, progressive ideology has basically become a religion where if you don't kneel down in front of these people, if you don't accept uh, that you're guilty just for being a white person, then you're someone who needs to be uh, removed from polite society. And this is what happens, of course, when people replace things like religion and culture and tradition with politics. I'm glad you brought that up because religion, when it comes to religion, I feel like maybe the greatest gain the left has made in all this was infecting American churches. I lost my church this last week. Of course, we got the full social justice warrior thing, uh, your Black Lives Matter thing. You should feel guilty about feeling, feeling white. And I have to be honest, I sat there, and on top of my blood boiling, I just marveled that American pastors and churches would sign on with the left. Are they really that naive to not realize if these sickos ever actually take over, they'll be the first ones lined up against the wall and shot? It's absolutely crazy to me that they think that if they just release the right statement, say the right thing, then they're going to avoid being canceled by these groups. I mean, 
We've said it on your show over and over again. These churches just a few weeks ago, if not, you know, a month or two ago, were not even allowed to open during the coronavirus economic shutdown. Now, all of a sudden, uh, we have all of these riots, and that's apparently not stopping the spread uh, or not uh, continuing the spread of coronavirus. And the churches just apparently don't have a problem that there's a double standard with the fact that they can't even preach to the people in their flock. And now instead, they are the ones being preached to by people who have just broken all of the rules that they had to abide by. The double standard in all of this is really sickening to watch. I have a major problem tearing down Confederate monuments, Confederate statues. I do not believe in eliminating anybody's history, even ugly history, even even the ugliness of slavery in America. I think all of it should stay right where it is. I want to take my kids down there and talk to them about it and teach historical lessons about it. There is so much disagreement about this, even on the right. Where do you fall in all that? Well, I think there's definitely something to be said for putting history in context, and that means that it's incumbent on people when they view these types of statues or other historical monuments to understand where they come from. That doesn't mean that you tear them down or destroy them. And, uh, you know, these people are looking at these statues. I would urge them to go down to the South and see actually how they uh, look at this issue because I think they do a pretty decent job. In Charleston, South Carolina, for example, if you go around, you'll see streets named after John C. Calhoun and statues erected um, of his of his likeness. But they also have Confederate museums where you can go in and learn about the history behind slavery as well as uh, the abolishment efforts. So there has to be some type of middle ground here where we're not just destroying the things that, you know, in many ways built our country. Amber, I feel like people on the right have a very difficult time addressing issues on race. And I don't feel like it's because they're racist. I feel like they've allowed the media to beat them down so much and do that you're racist, you're racist, you're racist thing so much that now they're afraid to ever address it. I mean, I obviously address it, but that's because I don't have any feelings or any soul whatsoever. Others on our side are scared to do it or they try to out SJW the left. And honestly, it makes me want to vomit. I can't stand the pandering. And, you know, this was exactly the media's goal when they did this to people. They did this intentionally to shut up anyone who had a dissenting opinion because the media has a vested interest, Jesse, in sowing racial division in this country. The more time that people spend focused on hating their neighbor, the less time the media's constant lies to the American people, as well as the lies of politicians, uh, are examined by people. So this is a basically a distraction. They're trying to, uh, one, sew up a division for ratings, and two, it's because they want to keep their own power. And they can only do that by making sure that the common enemy is not the media. Amber, give Trump a letter grade throughout this. Not, not the coronavirus thing, just since the George Floyd thing and all the massive madness. Give Trump a letter grade. I give him a C, um, and I'll explain why. First of all, I thought he waited way too long to offer to deploy the National Guard and the military to places that were experiencing riots. I thought he should have given a national address way sooner than he did. He waited until after a full weekend of utter destruction of multiple American cities. 
And now, even after, you know, sympathizing with the protesters while denouncing the riots, he's sending people like Jared Kushner and Jerron Smith to Capitol Hill to hammer out this bill on federal law enforcement reform that includes things like getting rid of police unions or stripping qualified immunity. Um, this is basically just letting the liberals run amok with their attempts to cancel the police. This is not about reform. This is about eventually changing the system to a point where police are neutered to where they don't even get to exercise the same type of power they have now in order to properly keep people safe. Tell me why I shouldn't start a third party at this point. And, and, and hear me out. I'm not one of these third party guys, but I am so sick to death of the GOP offering a watered down version of something the Democrats already did instead of changing the narrative, changing the game. Do we have nobody in this country with the balls to stand up behind a microphone and say, um, it's not the fault of the cops. We're focusing on the wrong issue and we're not going to pass a sweeping idiotic federal law anyway. I am so sick of this crap. I'm about to blow a gasket. And this type of perception, Jesse, is shared by a lot of people. And this is one of the issues that Trump is going to have when it comes to his reelection coming up here in November, because he has, in many ways, taken advantage of his base, taken them for granted, and not stood up for them. He was supposed to be the big fighter that was not going to put up with this nonsense. And when people see him repeatedly allowing his son-in-law and these other more liberal advisors to sell out some of his policy agenda and refuse to stand up uh, and fight for the things that his base wanted him to, that's going to be a serious problem. And you already see that in the polls, he's losing support among the evangelical base as well as people without college degrees. And those were the key supporters of his in 2016. So he needs to really take a good look at himself and his administration and figure out where the problem is and root it out. Amber Athey, thank you so much for giving me some time tonight. Thank you. Sorry, blood pressure's through the roof right now. I'll be back. Joining me now, writer for the Washington Examiner and contributor right here on the first, Tiana Lowe. Tiana, we have, of course, we had the funeral scene around the world with George Floyd. I have no problem with a big public funeral. It's been a big public death. I do, however, have a major issue, or at least I would have a major issue with anybody on either side of the aisle making my funeral political. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily just be George Floyd, because we've seen this a lot, especially over the past few years. Would you prefer people gather at your funeral and make it all about politics and trash the left and trash the right. I see that and I'm just mortified by that. Absolutely not. And also George Floyd is someone, I mean, as his brother said, he loved his city. He loved Minneapolis. He wouldn't want to see it burn to the ground. He was someone who wanted to touch everyone, not divide and conquer. I mean, right now, if you see the public opinion swing on Black Lives Matter and on the belief that the police need some sort of sweeping reform to make individual racist cops less able to get away with crimes and abuses of power, it's right and left together. You know, a new poll came out to the Washington Post that found that almost half of all Republicans 
agree that the system must be reformed and that it's systemic, that the George Floyd death indicated there is some sort of problem with racism in the police force. This could be a galvanizing moment to affect real change. Instead, it's become this weird bludgeon against left and right. This is not what Floyd would have wanted, and it's not the best use of this time. We could be productive. I'm glad you brought up sweeping reform. Anytime I hear words sweeping reform, it makes me grab the trash can next to me and begin vomiting into it. I don't want to hear federal laws about anything. If Minneapolis has a police department full of neo-Nazis, I don't know, I'm not in Minneapolis, maybe they do, then Minneapolis should change it. If New York does, then they should. If L.A. does, then they should. But I see we have Republican senators now. We have Democrats proposing sweeping federal laws. Why do we need federal laws when there's no one problem and there's, so there's no catch-all law? So the one thing that does require the federal intervention of Congress in order to change is this doctrine of qualified immunity I'm not an attorney, you're not an attorney, so I'm not going to get into the semantics of what should specifically be done with it. But I think that there is some large consensus that even if you don't abolish qualified immunity, some reform could be in order. We have seen a lot of these cops get off, racist and non-racist, just cops get off with abuse of power generally, specifically because qualified immunity protects them from prosecution and protects them from guilty verdicts. That's one thing that could be done on the federal level. But that's not the conversation we're having. Instead, it's defund the police. Actually, defund the police doesn't mean completely defund it. It just means do X, Y, Z. But people don't like talking about solutions because solutions aren't very sexy. The fact is, there is at least a, the framework of a solution here. And, it's, and again, Republican voters are on board. And quite frankly, I think you and I both wouldn't mind cops having less power. I'm always down to have the government have less power. It's just a little bit rich when the people who want to take three quarters of our income and legislate how we teach our children and where we go to church and how we live our lives, that those same people also think that we would do it if the police didn't exist. I mean, Jesse, let's be real. Would you pay your taxes if there was no threat of a cop coming to your door to make you pay? <laughs> yes, yes I, I think this elimination of the police department is completely laughable, but you're right. And that's what frustrates me so much, Deanna, is about two weeks ago, if you'd asked me if law enforcement should be put more in check, I would have obviously said, yes, I've always been on board with keeping law enforcement in check. I've never been one of these people who just worships at the altar at all times. I thought the enforcement of the coronavirus lockdowns really hurt public trust in law enforcement at the same time. I don't care which community we're talking about in America. Cops are not the problem. And if people are this angry as you brought up about government power, why is there nobody outside of about 10 of us in the United States of America saying, why don't we reduce everybody's power? I'm fine with slashing and burning everybody's power in this country. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? The same people who, who say abolish the police are the ones who want to take your kids from homeschooling, are the ones who want to shut down your church, are the ones who want to tax you and your business the majority of your income, you know? So it really does make no sense. I mean, and this is not a fringe idea. Ilan Omar endorsed Minneapolis defunding their police department. And it's a Democratic non-starter too. There's a reason why Joe Biden is running away from this thing and why as in 
why his advisors are all smashing the retweet button as quickly as possible when Karen Bass and Jim Kleinberg point out, hey guys, you know, when there are no cops and the, when they're just vigilante justice, this has not exactly wound up well for marginalized people. You know, I'm five, six, and my arms have turned into spaghetti because I haven't been to a gym in three months because the Democrats mm -hmm. in my city outlawed it. You know, if we got rid of the police, I'd buy an AR-15 tomorrow and live in a bunker in the ground. It's not like you, the only way you can live in a world that is not very carceral and does not have mass proliferation of police are if you live in the world that you and I want, where everyone has a gun, where everyone lives their own lives and no one is legislating for you how to teach your kids how to run your business. But that doesn't work in the left-wing world that Democrats want. You do need law enforcement for a reason. If you want more laws, you need more enforcement. Tiana, I don't cheerlead for this because I love my country, but I see this country racing in opposite ways a lot faster now than even a month ago. I see these cities turning into absolute nuclear wasteland hellholes, and I see more rural America, or at least the burbs, turning into, you know, that's where everybody's going to flee. It's just what happens. And yes, that's going to suck for the city that just got vacated, especially the poor people there in that city. But I, I, I see America fracturing and not along state lines. And I mean fracturing majorly. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. I mean, at least like a month ago, we were all in this together, quote unquote. And now, you know, you have Democrat politicians letting these looters burn these cities to the ground, quite literally in some cases. You know, my entire street got boarded up because the multiple businesses on my street were destroyed. DC is becoming a S-hole country, for lack of a better term. Um, and, you know, these partisans are cheering it on. You know, I mean, think about it. Two weeks ago, if you wanted to not just do something frivolous, like go to brunch, which is the thing I've been missing, but go to church. Mm -hmm. Go have the right to make your own income again. You were laughed off as just wanting to kill grandma. Even, even if you're saying, that's fine, you could do church outside with mass social distancing, you just want to kill grandma. If you want to go riot in the streets, or even just, I saw so many protesters in DC not wearing masks, not social distancing, and we know what's the number one way of transmitting the coronavirus? Exhaling a lot, screaming, singing. It's the, it's the reason why we know these choirs are sharing coronavirus. And that's exactly what they did. And it's as though all of the social distance shaming of the past three months never ever happened because it was for the right cause. And quite frankly, the reason why it annoys me so much is it doesn't even feel like it's about George Floyd anymore. I mean, think about it. Black Lives Matter, this could be this whole time for Black Americans to individually voice their own experiences with the cops. Instead, I had a bunch of white woke liberals retweeting black squares into my Instagram feed and into my Twitter feed. How is this productive? It's not. It's just partisan pandering and it's meant to divide and conquer. Tiana, I have a theory on that. I think that there are a lot of different aspects to all this looting and rioting that obviously, yes, Antifa was one of them, although that's an easy scapegoat. We blame everything bad on Antifa. That's a bunch of crap. It just makes everybody feel good. A lot of it was gangs. A lot of it was peaceful protesters. And I think a lot of it was middle class, upper middle class, suburban white kids who are bored with nothing better to do, deciding to go get their riot on for a weekend and satisfy some boredom and speak truth to power and feel like they were doing something. Oh, 
Oh, well, I mean, of course they were. I'm bored. Aren't you bored? For three months, we've told people, you can't go into your office. You can't go to the bar. You can't go to church. You can't see your friends. You can't burn off steam by going to the gym. And some social media jerk will take a photo of you if you try and just enjoy yourself at a public park by yourself. So of course people are bored. This should shock no one. I'm just surprised that it didn't happen even sooner than this. You know, we took 40 million people in America, kicked them out of their jobs, destroyed for what, at least tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of businesses permanently, and deprived people of their social lives and work, which brings people personal satisfaction and fulfillment. So of course they're bored. I blame them for rioting in the streets. I blame them for probably upping the odds that we all get this freaking virus. But I don't blame them for being angry in the first place. Tiana, what's your go-to brunch order? Please don't say it's like avocado toast or something gross and womany and healthy. No, okay, so here's the big secret. I don't really like brunch or breakfast food. Everyone knows it's just an excuse to be able to drink on a Sunday morning. So my thing is <laughs> I like going to like those brunch places that also serve you pasta so I can eat pasta and wine at 10 in the morning on a Sunday. You know, so I'm, I'm that person who orders just carbs. Brunch fail. Tiana Lowe, appreciate you. All right. We got something you got to see. Hang on. I had never even considered voting Democrat before. It's just never even popped into my mind, but you're going to have to forgive me. Once I heard this kind of advanced thinking, I looked around and I thought to myself, man, maybe I do need to go that way. But, but, but why is it necessary to take the money from the police? I mean, I, I understand your argument, the argument you're making about expanding social services, investing in social services, but the research does show that more police on the street means less crime. Well, I think there's uh, one question that, that is interesting here is that um, when it comes to funds, it's not always just about the number of officers in the street. It's about these police precincts that have tanks, that have military weaponry, and frankly, have a degree of um, that have a degree of of, of material resources and warlike um, warlike weaponry that people ask, why does a, a local police precinct have this in the first place? So when we talk about defunding, it can show up in multiple ways. Additionally, the other way that that we talk about um, you know in this is that. When people ask for healthcare, when they ask for housing, when they ha ask for education, people always say, how are you going to pay for it? And so what, it's, what this movement is doing, first and foremost, it's important to note that this is directed at city councils and mayors. And so you should look to see if your city is having this conversation. Um, but first, and the, and the other question here too is, I think, and I think it's a valid question for people to ask, what should be our number one budget priority at all. Does any agency uh, deserve to be funded more than almost all the others for healthcare, housing, and youth combined? But what do you so think? We'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are 
cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.